what is up and welcome to season two of the clack box i know that all of you have been waiting 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 with bated breath for season two uh, i've kind of been on a hiatus because there's been a lot going on in the clackler household um, I'm recording from our new location, our new home. We moved about eight miles away from where we lived before, but it is the new Clackler Creek Casa. I don't really know what we're calling it, but here we are. And so I'm super excited about season two. I've got some amazing episodes lined up that we'll talk about here in a little bit, but um, a couple things. One is uh, we're going to be moving to different format a little bit one uh you'll still be able to listen to audio podcast on all your favorite uh apple music uh youtube music google podcast all that stuff podbean whatever it is that you listen to spotify everything like that but then also uh, a lot of these podcasts are going to be on video on my youtube channel as well so there'll be links for that too you can just um Search Cody Clackler for the YouTube channel for that. would be awesome. Those will be up. So excited about that. But today, I know a lot of people have asked, so I thought I would answer a couple of questions um, as we get going on Season 2. The first thing is going to be, this is the easier one to answer, I think, but where have I been? Where have the podcast been? Well, I took a break because... Um, my other gig that I do, my my actual job that brings in money, um, our detailing company, car detailing company, has taken off. It has done amazingly well. God has blessed us in how that company is going. And so I've been super, super busy with that. We've been crazy busy with kid stuff, um, like most of you probably are. And having a middle school kid and one that's about to enter middle school. And so life has just been busy and good. Obviously selling a house and buying a house and moving and all that goes into play with that as well. And then also I started writing a book. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Um, but yeah, I started writing a book and basically the idea of the book is... Um, well, I'll just tell you, I started writing the book, I was going to do decades of my life. And so I was going to do like, uh, zero to 10, 10 to 20, 30, 20 to 30, 30 to 40. But as I started writing it, it got really, really complicated to mm, keep track of how everything was going in and out and keep people and characters, not characters, but people in my life straight, not referencing, you know, past and futures and all this stuff. So I changed it up and had the idea of writing it, um, a chapter per person based on relationships. And so, for example, chapter one is my mom, chapter two is my dad, and so on and so forth. And so, but then you kind of say, okay, well, what is kind of like the motivation behind this? And there's a couple of things. One is I feel like I've been through a lot and a lot of how God has used what I've been through um, for me to relate to a lot of different kinds of people 
and a lot of different things that people have gone through, I think would be awesome in a book to hopefully give people hope. That's kind of ultimately my goal, like with an audience, with people that read it. What do I want them to leave with? That you can have relational hope. That ultimately that's it. The, um, but the other goal for it is obviously personal. And so, um, as I've been kind of writing, and then before I started writing, during, and I'm sure you'll hear me say this a ton of times to a lot of people that I have here on season two, that um, I think a lot of us live in the themes of our past. And so what I mean by that is that for me, for example, the themes of my past were my mom was the hero and my dad was the villain. There it is, live in that. And I think when we're younger or we're going through pain and suffering and grief and tragedy and trauma, those narratives, those themes help and that and God will use those. He'll give us coping mechanisms or we'll develop coping mechanisms to get through those things. And I think it's super, super helpful. Um, so for me, being younger, I developed some coping mechanisms to deal with some of the things that I was going through that kind of stayed in this theme of uh, of that pain or of that trauma or of that history, those relationships. Because I was in survival mode. Well, when you get out of survival mode, those coping mechanisms don't work very well. And for us to find true healing, not just kind of passive healing or surface level healing from the things that we went through, we have to get past the theme of it and we have to get into the nitty gritty of it and the truth of it. I was listening to a podcast recently and it was talking about like living in our truth and how that truth will then set us free. And I think this is the same thing um, that applies here because if I stay in the theme or the narrative, um, I'm kind of safe, I'm kind of protected, I'm kind of coping with things, but I'm not flourishing, I'm not healing, I'm not growing because... the coping mechanism or the theme of what's going on uh, out of that allows me to stay a distance from it. It allows me to have protection from it. Still, it allows the person or situation or people that hurt me to not hurt me. Because when I get into the truth of it, roles can change, situations can change, and it cannot be what I remember it to be, or it cannot be what I want it to be. So when I started digging in past the themes of my past to really the hardcore truth of what was going on of my childhood, and even through starting to write a book about my childhood, I was discovering that, man, it's way messier than what I thought. I wanted to cope and put these people and places in their roles and compartmentalize and that way it made sense, it was clear, it wasn't messy and I could deal with it. But but now my mom, she wasn't as great as I thought she was. My dad may not have been as bad as he was. And that gets complicated and ugly and messy and I don't like it because then I'm faced with the truth 
of the way things were, right? It's really easy for me to forgive my dad um, and to cope with it when he's the villain. You know, everything was terrible about him and I could idolize my mom and, and, and she was great and, and I just leave it right there. Okay, that makes sense. Leave it right there. It's great. But getting past that, getting into it, it complicates it, and it gets really messy. And so um, I think that's kind of the theme of the book, is getting past the theme of these relationships and getting into the real of them, into the truth of them, and finding growth for myself in these relationships. And so obviously... Um, I have to have some level of healing and getting past it, or it would just be a mess, a, a, a diabolical mess of something to try to read and put together and write. It would just be wow. So it's I'm going through an experience. I'm actually learning um, and putting pieces together. God's putting pieces together that I never saw before in relationships and how things went and everything and that's been really really cool to experience that and so that's taken up uh, a lot of my free time um, along with everything else and so that's kind of what's been going on that's a big portion of the pause for the podcast and we'll talk more about the themes and things like that um, at a later podcast date but then a lot of you have asked I've held off on answering this question um, globally, I've held off on answering this question um, on social or any other platform. But the question comes up, why did I, quote, unquote, doing your quotes, retire from youth ministry? And I would take a sip of my coffee before I start that answer, before it gets cold. Why did I, Okay. So it's a it's it's multi-layered, which everything usually is. But um, the truth is, is that one day, um, before we took the job at the last church that we were at, and as we were taking that job and accepting it, I I had this feeling um, that this would probably be the last place that we would do youth ministry. I could just sense that that this was the last chapter in my student ministry. Like full time hardcore being the main youth pastor, the man um, thing. I just started to feel a little bit old. I started to feel a little bit disconnected and not like disconnected, not doing my job, but just disconnected from. <laughs> I was standing on a stage at um, the last camp, the last summer camp cycle for me was 2019. In 2018, I was standing on a summer camp stage with some other youth pastors and kind of while they were going over the rules and introducing us and all that stuff the first night of camp and while we were all on stage one of the other youth pastors leaned over to me and whispered to me dude you are the oldest person on this stage and I kind of looked at him and I was like oh my goodness I am I am the oldest person on the stage and I'm a high energy person and so I, I didn't really notice that I was kind of getting older and you don't age out like there's not like an age but there definitely is um, kind of this 
this pool, and I've seen some youth pastors be amazing as they get older and actually get better as they get older. And um, but I was just starting; it was just my time was starting to kind of fade. I could start to feel it on that end. Um, I used to there would be moments where I would have to make sure and like focus. I wasn't in dad mode, like van rides or bus rides. I used to love them; they were the greatest thing ever. And now I would just be like, um, "Yeah, are we there yet?" Can they can be quiet? You know, I'm just kind of old manning, dadding it as I'm driving. And so um, just things like that. But then one of the other, uh, the, the truth of the matter is, is that we were, um, this is what happened. So in October, one, uh, I guess I, I could start to feel it coming on. Like I could just start to feel that when your season is starting to be up, you can start to, to feel it and sense it and, and everything. And that's kind of where we were at. And one Thursday morning after a Wednesday night service, I was cleaning up the student uh, student building, getting it ready for Sunday morning and stacking chairs and moving chairs and straightening chairs. And um, I just, I audibly heard God go, now. And I kind of was like, what? And and see, for me, when I was, when I'd stack chairs and move chairs and straighten um, our student auditorium, that's my worship time. Honestly, I just crank my worship playlist. I could sing. Nobody was going to hear me. Uh, and it was awesome. So I would just sing at the top of my lungs, worship, pray for students, pray over chairs, pray for leaders. It was just a great kind of hour, hour and a half of just my time. And we knew our season was coming to an end, like I said, and I just didn't know when I didn't know when so the so the prayer had kind of become okay God when but that was it and there was no looking for another job there was no fleece okay God show me some show me a sign there was none of that stuff it was just like when it's time it'll be time and uh certain chairs I audibly heard God say now and I was like what and Basically, I heard him say, well done, you're good, go rest. And I was like, okay. So I called my wife, uh, Allison, and I said, hey, I just heard God say now. Now is the time. And um, again, we had not really, we talked about it like in theory, but we had never like there was no plan there was no other jobs there was no application there was no updated resume there was nothing and so she was okay um as long as you do something i'm good i know you'll take care of us and i said okay and so i walked up to got phone walked up to my boss's office uh mark's office and sat down and i said hey man um like i told him the story and he was like Phew. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, okay. And so I didn't I didn't give a notice. It wasn't like, okay, in two weeks, two months, whatever. I just said, hey, y'all talk about it as a leadership team. And uh, then get back with me on what you guys think is the best way to handle this. Church-wide, if y'all want three months, if y'all want six months, if y'all want two days, I default to y'all's leadership, whatever you guys want. And so... Um, they didn't really get back to me right away. It took a while. And uh, and so 
then uh, a couple months later on December 22nd, 23rd, no, it's 24th, 23rd maybe, I don't remember, our last Christmas Eve service, um, I think Christmas fell on Christmas Eve, no wait, Christmas fell on the, I don't remember what it was, I, I don't remember, it was one of those two days, we, um, that was our last Sunday, and that was it, and so I didn't really have any idea what I was going to do. My wife threw out the idea of detailing a car too, um, because that kind of come a personal hobby of mine. It's an, a self-interest thing. About eight years ago, that kind of started, and um, and so I was like, okay, it's not a bad idea. So we quickly threw on, threw a logo together, threw a name out there, threw it out on Facebook, and the rest is just history. And so, um, what I've learned, like. I don't know how to describe it. I'll say this. There's, when you tell people that, you know, you step down or you're leaving ministry or whatever, I would probably say 70% of people that I knew looked at me like um, I was moving on to something less. And that was hurtful. Because ministry is this high esteem thing it's this you know calling and all this stuff and so there was a little bit of like not ego check but this thing of like yeah i'm i'm quitting <laughs> you know or yeah i'm retiring or yeah, i'm stepping down and um and for a lot of the students and leaders it was out of the blue actually from pretty much all of them we really didn't divulge that information to to anybody um, in the ministry because you know there's just things you don't say to people you know and the last church that we were at I, it, there was good and bad experiences just like everywhere no church is perfect um, I will say towards the towards the end um, I'm going to make sure I I wore this correctly. This this is the pressure I felt. I'm not going to say anybody ever put this on me or said this to me. This is the pressure I felt. But it was the first time in ministry that I remember feeling I have to produce numbers. And I don't know if that was a, the church, my age, the scenario, I've, expectations. I, like I said, I don't know what that was. Nobody ever like flat out told me that or really implied that because we had good numbers we were growing like crazy it was you know it was growing awesome but i and maybe that's why i felt that way because we had grown so much that i felt like i had to keep that up but i also knew that that wasn't a healthy place for me to live because i felt like i was having pr to produce events and produce things and that wasn't me i was really about relational ministry and so that was part of the kind of the just awkwardness of that. Like I said, I'm not putting that on anybody, no staff, no pastor, no church. Uh, that wasn't, um, that wasn't their fault. I'm not putting that on them or blaming them for that. That's just kind of where I got. And then, um, you know, there was, there was a couple other situations that were not necessarily the most comfortable situations for, um, 
the church that we were at and for for our family i know that we had tried to do the best we could to have boundaries for our family i did not want to raise your typical uh preacher kid church kid type situation and so um so there's there's some some things that we'll talk about um my one of my my pastor growing up um kind of growing up uh, growing up in ministry not growing up in age but he was Alice and I's pastor from age say 19 to 26ish 27 28 I don't know right around there he was the pastor um at our wedding he married us um he was there when my sister got baptized he was there um kind of arm in arm with us when when at my mom's funeral and my mom died and so um he's actually going to be on my podcast here in a couple of weeks i'm so excited for you guys to hear him speak he's written a couple of books his latest book is called toby the Gobi, and it is about mental health and even kids mental health and he um just this past couple of days ago has um Stepped down as a lead pastor of the church that uh, at Cross Timbers that he was leading for 22-ish years. I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but um, anyways, I don't know why Robert Child did that, but um, oh, we're going to talk about some of the things uh, that have just kind of come up with with church and church health and things like that that I started to be more aware of, and so and also. One of the things, too, is that God started changing um, Allison and I together of where we felt led for our kids to go to church, where we felt led for our family to go to church. And that's not an indictment. Everybody's going to read into all this. It's not an indictment against the churches we were at previously or our last church. It God changes people and evolves and things that you need or want or where he leads you and this honestly was just where god led us and i think there's nothing more evident than that than where he's brought um brought us um financially our company something that was out of the blue and so um you know i don't want a lot of people to read into it it was because i've had people ask well was it your choice or were you asked to leave no i was never asked to leave it was 100 percent our choice um because there was also some awkward timing of it because uh there was a new um they started the secession plan with the who was going to be the lead pastor come in and and he was on staff for about eight nine months or so before we made our move that had nothing to do with it you guys um not really and so if we we could get into the nitty gritty and you guys could could find something that you would try to blame on that that had nothing to do with it honestly it was when it was about us it was about me it was about my career and um it was what god wanted for us and so that's that's pretty much it i know that a lot of people have wondered about that and i haven't spoken about it it's been almost two and a half years um since that happened and I haven't spoken on it and there's reasons I haven't spoken on it. One is I, I thought time would allow people not to try to read into things. I hope it does because um, we left on great terms. The lot. Um, we left Grace Fellowship on great terms, on our terms and on great terms. And so um, 
could I walk back in that building and everything be fine? Yes, I could walk back in that building and everything be fine. Um, does it mean it was the most comfortable thing for me at times? No, but no job is. And, um, and then no ministry is, and then no church is. And so were they perfect? No. Was I perfect? No, but it was good. It was really, really good. Do, and so then some people are going to ask, well, do you miss it? Do you miss student ministry? And I will tell you, yes, there are things that I miss. I do miss speaking. I miss the services. I miss, um, the shenanigans for sure miss the shenanigans oh my gosh the shenanigans i miss um building a team and leading a team you know right now i i work by myself all day long i don't have a team of people and so that's that's totally weird too and so um i'm i i've spoken at some other uh student ministry things and d now or and stuff like that and retreats and I think back, oh my gosh, if you're one of my leaders, one of my past leaders or one of my past students, dude, the things that we did were insane. The things that we tried or we came up with or the messes we made were just nuts. I, I look back and go, why did we ever try to do that? I, or what was my brain thinking? Like, I kind of have an outsider perspective of what my brain might have been thinking back then. And I can't believe a lot of the leaders just looked at me and went, yeah, that's a great idea. We'll clean it up for you. Let's do it. And so um, I do miss that. Uh, I miss worshiping with students. There is nothing like just standing in a crowd of hundreds of students jumping up and down getting my worship calf workout and singing, stretching your arms out and just students have a way of just fervently running after God in worship. And it just is so great. I miss that. Um, and honestly, I do miss the conversations. I learned so much from students that I do miss the, you know, oh my gosh, the, the dudes that would stay up there till 12:30, 1 o'clock on a Wednesday night, us just talking through stuff. Um, I do miss a lot of that stuff, and so there are things that I that I do miss, but I also enjoy my sleep <laughs> more than that. Um, but no, I'm just just kidding. And so that's that's why. And so a lot of you, please ask questions. I'm not afraid of questions. I'm not afraid of difficult questions on why we left or some again some of you may have more questions than I kind of can articulate or not more questions but um, different questions that I can just articulate over this microphone right here and so um, but what I, I would say this this ultimately comes down to it too that I look well there's a couple of things one is I look back at um, kind of our my career as a student pastor and I see how God used me we would go to a church that had a struggling youth ministry and God would use our energy and our love for people and our style of youth ministry and create a foundation for it to then go and be able to sustain after God moved us to the next one that needed us to kind of reshock it and re-energize it 
And so that's just how God used me. That was my career in student ministry. I'm totally cool with that. I love it. I'm totally satisfied. The other thing on that is, and I've said this before on the podcast, that we want our kids to look at us and go, they may not agree with what we believe. I can't control that. If I could, man, I would. But I can control that when my kids look at me, when my son looks at me as a dad and as a husband and as a leader, and my daughter looks at me as a father and a spouse, she can go and he can go, man, they believed what they believed, which means we chased after God, we listened, and every time he said jump, we jumped. And does that mean that we wait for a peace about a situation before we jump? No. No, 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 no. God doesn't. God definitely will say go before you have a peace about it. Um, because that's what drives faith and trust and reliance on him. And, but man, ha, has he been faithful? But it's also been trying because I go from a salary situation, which I've always been salary at every church I've ever been at, to, um, okay, go make money. <laughs> and so there's been a lot of seasons of, and even daily of, okay, God, I'm so stressed about money. And I'm expressing to you that I'm worried about it. I'm expressing to you that I have faith. But I'm expressing to you how I'm freaked out about it. And then like an hour later, I'll get like two or three um, bookings. And God's just like, I got you. Like, relax. I got you. And so I'm finally to the point two years later where I'm like, okay, he's got us. I'm just going to tell him I'm worried about it. I'm going to tell him how I'm feeling. And pray to him. And then just go. And so that leads to another question people have asked. Well, what's next? And a lot of people were asking that right off the bat, and people still ask me that. And honestly, I don't know. And I love the fact I don't know. I never used student ministry or viewed student ministry as a stepping stone because I felt like that was betraying and taking advantage of the people that hired me, the students that were coming, and the leaders that were serving. And so um, I didn't want to do that. I never wanted to do that. And so, um, I, I don't have a desire to be a lead pastor. It's not past, pastor, pastor. Um, I don't think it's what God has for me. He may change that. I don't think so. Um, I do enjoy speaking. Uh, so I do, I would like to travel a little bit more and speak at camps or retreats and things like that. So throw my name out there. I'd love for you to help me advertise for that. Um, the book is definitely next and the book may just be for me. It may just be for uh, my health and growth and my walk with God. I don't know. Um, just thinking. Um, so I don't really know what's next. And I think that's a good thing. I think it's a healthy thing to not worry about what's next to, you know, the whole saying of just bloom where you're planted. And so for, for me as an individual and as a, as a follower of Christ in my path and all that, you know, I, I've really, we could have a whole long four hour discussion on, you know, what about the will of God? You know, well, the will of God is for me to, 
be a, the best husband I can, to be the best dad I can. And there. So I'm nailing it. I'm in the will of God. If I'm trying to be the best husband I can, I'm trying to be the best dad that I can. Um, and then just be the son, the best son that I can to him. And so I'm in the will of God. What comes after that? And I don't know. I, he he still brings me business for this company. And so that's what I do. I work as hard as I can at the thing that he puts in front of me. And the thing that's in front of me, I go after that. And he'll dictate my steps. He will be a lamp unto my feet. And I don't have to worry about it. And so... We'll, you know, I've had um, I've had some of the doubts. I've had some of the Satan trying to whisper to get in my head of you know well, you're 41 now. You're you're not a young leader anymore. People just want to develop young leaders and all that stuff. Yeah, I've had all that, and I've tried to kick it to the curb because it doesn't matter. None of that matters. If God will put me where He wants me, as long as I try to stay in tune with Him and work as hard as I can every day at what He puts in front of me that day. And so um, I'm not really looking for other things. I'm not trying to do all that. I do know that the podcast and the book are in front of me, and I do know I like to speak. And so if those opportunities come my way, they do. If they don't, they don't. I keep doing what I'm doing because that's what he has in front of me. And so I think we kind of overcomplicate a lot of that stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, and on, a couple other things, too, on that is one is I got out of the ministry game right before COVID hit. Praise you, Jesus. I don't even know, like, how that happened. But, man, I feel – it's rough for people who um, had to serve in ministry through COVID. That is a rough deal. I just feel so – Bad for them. I saw a lot of friends just get burnt out during that season. And then, um, I forgot what the other thing was, but yeah. And so, coming up on season two of the Clack Box, a couple of episodes coming up. Uh, the next episode, I've got my friend Luke, who is a youth pastor, and I, I, I really enjoy my conversations with Luke because he, like, he like 50% agrees with me on things and 50% doesn't agree with me. And then he's so scripturally sound. I love it. And and so it's kind of, there's like great healthy discussion. Um, both of us playing devil's advocate towards each other. That Anyways, he's coming on. We're going to talk about parenting. One of the topics that's come up, and I just asked my wife, I said, hey, season two we're playing this out what should we talk about and she said i just think parents are lost they just don't know what to do she's um she's a middle school uh, teacher she's a dyslexia specialist for our middle school here and so she says a lot of uh sixth seventh and eighth graders all day every day and parents are just struggling and so we look at a world that as adults we're struggling with social media technology screens covid war economy, inflation, politics, social justice issues, um, all of these things we struggle with as adults. I, I can imagine what kids are going through and the pressures that are on them with 
especially with like sports and school and band and all the extracurriculars. And so Luke is going to come on. We're going to talk about that. We've got some things that I think will help you. So please, please, please stay tuned. Subscribe on all the platforms that you can for that. Then um, we're going to have a discussion uh, with, like I said, it's going to be a, probably broken up into a two-part series with uh, Toby Slough. He was the one of the founders and lead pastors of Cross Timbers Church in Argyle. Amazing guy. His latest book. Uh, we're going to talk about the history of Cross Timbers and kind of some stuff like that, some church stuff. And maybe some, you know, I'll have some, ask some hard-hitting questions about that. And then we're going to talk about uh, mental health and his new book, Toby Gobi, and what that is and what his new uh, ministry he's got going with Bia Gobi is. That's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. And so please stay, come, uh, please tune in for that. I'm really, really excited about that conversation. And he'll probably have some interesting stories about me. So that will be awesome. And one of his big things, too, that he struggled with, and he's been very open about it, is... Um, um, he's going to talk about too. So stay tuned with that. We've got a couple of other uh, guests that are come on. We may have, uh, I guess a few surprises that I'm not going to talk about quite yet. Also probably going to do a live question and answer, which I'm excited about. So please, please, please subscribe, get the word out for the clock box being back season two. And uh, anyways, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the rambling as always. Please ask any questions. Love to carry on the conversation in the comments. Um, email me. Get a hold of me. Thanks again for listening to the Clackbox. Have an awesome, awesome, awesome day.